Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Mm, Satnam. It's the breath that actually controls the nature of the brain and the head. And that breath comes from the stimulation and nourishment of the heart brain, which gains its warmth of operation from the gut brain. And because we've become so infatuated by our head brain and the objects that our head brain can invent, we have neglected the other two neurological regions to the extent that our relationships, whether they're interpersonal or international, break down. 330 million years ago, the mammalian brain began to form. And this mammalian brain was intrigued by the nature of right and wrong because the mammals in the early stages were so tiny. <coughs> Let's get some tea in you. Let's get some tea in you. The mammalian brain was defending and protecting these very, very tiny creatures. And these creatures were at the mercy of all other creatures. And so the brain developed very keen, protective, and decisively protective analysis. Because for one thing, the offspring were born very vulnerable. And so the brain had to be not only decisive, but it had to be very intuitive as well. And then 60 million years ago, when the reptiles, the dinosaurs, um, stopped being the dominant force on this planet, it was the mammals' turn to rise into prominence. And the mammals that got the most out of the next 40 million years or so were the ones that could figure out how to at least move among the mangroves off the east coast of, of Africa to be able to see somewhat greater distance. And so the mammals that began to erect themselves, the ones that began to do limited bipedal motion, 
were able to see greater distance and what they did when they saw greater distance, that greater distance was in front of them. And so the eyes that were very much side located in most mammals, even though they've all rotated somewhat, except for in, uh, in some, they began to rotate forward. And as they began to rotate forward, the desire to stand up became greater and greater. And as they stood up and the eyes rotated forward, we added the third dimension. The third dimension is the depth of space. And the brain began to calibrate three dimensions of space at this time. And as the brain was calibrating three dimensions of space, and as the mammal was spending more time standing up, as the, the primates were spending more time standing up, the spine itself began to attract a great deal of information, almost like an antenna. And as the spine began to attract a great deal of information, it was being brought in through the crown of the head and the frontal lobe needed to expand in order to store that information. Carnivores, human carnivores, wrongly claim that it was because we ate meat that we expanded our brain. And that's, you know, that's a um, false equivalency and a false argument. The expansion of the brain was because of the amount of information that was being stored. So all of a sudden, these, these primates that are starting to stand up a great deal began to expand the front of their brain, the, the frontal lobe. And then three and a half million years ago, no, four and a half million years. I couldn't remember whether it was, because uh, we were all there. Let me see. Yeah, it was. Four and a half million years ago, seven and a half million years ago, we began to stand up in earnest. And three and a half million years ago, we began to stand up all the time. And that started us migrating because we could see greater distance, we could know, we could start to reason because the frontal lobe was starting to expand and we were reasoning. And it was the discovery of the use of fire that continued this evolutionary process. Because as we discovered the use of fire, we also discovered the use of community because prior to that, it was everyone for themselves. Prior to that, it was the individual that was you know, against everything else because there was nothing gathering us into community. But fire began to gather us into community. Well, you can't sit around with a bunch of others just silent all the time. I mean, you're rude. And so it was the gathering around the fire of community that began to create languaging. And the earliest stages of languaging were indicative. They were all in the present tense. They would indicate what was needed or what was happening. 
And as we stored more and more and more information in this frontal lobe, we began to have an odd event occur. Completely unique. We began to have memory. And the memory served us because we could remember where we went the day before that was very prosperous. We could remember how to get there. But the moment you have memory, you also instill anticipation. And so this really began in earnest about 125,000 years ago, where memory and anticipation were becoming uh, tools that we could use. And over the last 125,000 years, we've almost gone, except for tiny percentages, we've almost gone exclusively into memory and anticipation with little relationship to the present moment. You drive your car by memory. You pass your exams by memory. You plan for the future. You buy insurance on anticipation. The most important thing in people's employment packages in today's world is their insurance policy, their health insurance policy. And so they spend all day killing themselves for an insurance policy that's supposed to save their life. Because they're not living in the present moment where the activity and the experience is actually taking place. They're living in the memory and they're living in the anticipation. And because they don't know anything about the anticipation, because the intuition is stone dead. They begin to look at memory to try to construct the future. But that is really an odd idea because the future never existed in the time that the memory is trying to reconstruct it from. Every moment is unique and the further into the future that you strive to anticipate, the less accurate you become. And so in the subconscious, which is the only part of your brain that actually is making sense in this equation that we're describing here, you're absolutely freaked out. And the subconscious, not being able to understand anything that is taking place because the consciousness is not registering anything that is being experienced, feels completely lost. When you feel lost, you feel empty. When you feel empty, you feel unfulfilled. And so that drives the head brain to create more gadgets so that we can be consumed by our gadgetry in order to feel okay about the fact that we have no idea what's going on. And in the midst of this, the dominant emotion is fear. 
and fear with might is a very masculine event. And so it is those who are the most fearful who will ultimately become the mightiest. And as that strips away all of the feminine energy, you've got these brutal men who are the most fearful, most insecure, dominating humanity. And when you are very fearful, you will break the law to survive. And so over the decades and even the centuries, you have had these clans of men who have formed these alliances around unconsciousness, fear, and might. And along comes you. And your task is to ignore the ignorance. Your task is to explore the now, to explore presence, to get us back to this moment. And in this moment, there is guardians literally surrounding it. And those guardians will tell you it is unsafe because to be in this moment, not remembering, not anticipating, you meet people that you feel are absolutely okay. Can you turn off the freezer? Are absolutely okay. And the two-dimensional brain is saying, that's ridiculous. Don't use trust. Don't use faith. Don't use love. Don't use joy. Use security. Call for safety backup. And everyone that goes through a life in that condition has wasted a human birth. Because a human is born helpless for a reason. The most helpless creature is a human baby. Because it is that helplessness that produces the surrender. Not giving up, the surrender. And it is the surrender that produces innocence. It is that innocence that instead of just seeing the danger points in the narrow view of a moment, sees all the other points, and innocence knows that it will be taken care of. Innocence knows that it will survive. 
And so when innocence sees danger points, it sits with them until they reveal their polarity. Because for every action there is a reaction that is equal and opposite. And therefore, you have what is called polarity. And if you sit with a polarity for long enough, the play of opposites, rather than experiencing the tension and the pressure and the stress and the friction that that polarization creates, it gives birth to what is called the paradox, the elevated paradox. A third position that is driven by the polarity but isn't the polarity. And so innocence being able to sit with something long enough is what the Buddha called innocence was boredom. Sitting in boredom, sitting in absolutely the middle path, the middle of everything, right there where the opposites play off of each other. And it's sitting in that middle path that suddenly you get this sensation. And that sensation is what is called hope. And hope is when you get an inkling. An inkling. Very important word. Not a big dose. An inkling of the elevated option, the elevated paradox. Now hope governs the thoracic area of the spine. And the yogis knew this. And every exercise they did that stimulated the middle of the back was an exercise stimulating hope. Now, what is the, what is the major organ that the middle of your back is right behind? Your heart. And what is the French word for the heart? Cour. It's the root of courage. Age means time. Courage means time of the heart. So hope gives birth to courage. Courage gives birth to, wow, I've been sitting a long time doing nothing. I got an idea. Because if you don't have courage, you won't get an idea. Intuition is filled with the ideas that are possible. Not actual, possible. Not necessarily probable, but possible. That's when you go to the head brain and begin the analysis. But if you put the head brain first, which everybody has for hundreds of thousands of years, you never get to hope, you never get to courage, you call for security. <laughs> Uh, that's just a metaphor. So once you get to courage, now you feel full. And when you feel full, you feel that you can share because you're overflowing. You don't have to protect your space anymore. You're overflowing.
And the moment you begin to share, your voice opens up. Because sharing and caring is the brachial nerves which come out through the throat and down through your tops of your arms. And so the yogis knew, one of the exercises we'll do tonight, the yogis knew that if you move that portion of your body, that you stimulate that sharing, that caring. And it is literally reverse engineering. So you can take this and you can take the other asanas that we'll be doing tonight and they actually go in the reverse order so that all the way down into and suddenly you are surrendering to your innocence and your vulnerability. And the moment you do that, the parasympathetic nervous system opens up and you truly begin to see what is unseen. And when you see what is unseen, you have the advantage. And when you don't take advantage, but share the advantage, you become benevolent. And when you become benevolent, what goes around comes around. And as you've been sharing, the sharing comes back. And that was the one lesson that Yogi Bhajan continuously taught is that I take care of everyone and then get taken care of by everyone. And you, if you were ever around him, you could hardly take care of him because you were overrun by everyone else that was trying to take care of him. <laughs> I just finally gave up and said, okay, that's cool. I got my time early on. Yeah. It's just like the innocence of a baby. Everybody will want to take care of it. And so, the asanas and the postures that we do in yoga open up the other centers of neurology so that we can begin to balance out this life, because we're the ones. We're the ones. The only answer to the world's problem is not in treaties. Every treaty has been broken. Come on, right? It's like a, it's like a negotiated opportunity, and when the opportunity shifts, hey, heck with that, let's move over here. Just ask the Native Americans. And what is it that is always breaking the agreements and always breaking the treaties? Fear and insecurity. I need more of something. I need more of something. I mean, if you study in-depth history, you will see there's a reason for all of the insanity that's going on today from 150 years ago all the interplay between sections of the globe was all started 150 years ago. Industrialization. Not that it was a bad thing, but it was, you know, what it didn't turn out to be a fair thing for everybody involved. And what our task is, is to 
demonstrate in a big way. We're not here just to eat sandwiches and then, you know, have a tombstone. We got to have a big impact on this planet. This is not about making a living. This is about making a difference. And it's only the head brain that says we don't have time because the head brain is constructing time all the time. The heart brain says, boom, 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 got that one, tum, tum. got that one. Got that one. Got that one. The gut brain is saying, hmm, hmm. Nourishment, nutrition, connection. The human being is a what kind of animal? Social animal. What is being social? Connecting or disconnecting? The ruler of the human being's social nature is the gut because social events are nourishing. Being with family, being with friends, being with people that you love and care for is nourishing. Also, the food you eat is nourishing, hopefully. Emphasis added. Wasn't that just a, a phone that chimed in? Yeah. So today's class is about enabling those parts of our body that really bring us back to coming out of focus on the future and focus on the past to focus on our presence in the present. When you have presence in the present, you get to choose the future and you get to forgive the past. And whatever in the past doesn't need forgiving needs remembering. And so you remember the value of the past, you forgive the mistakes of the past, giving them forward, forgive, give forward, to the present, and you just keep investing in the present. Not Time is not money. Time is, period. Time exists as this moment. Time is the experience of the experience. And that's why when you're really into the experience of the experience, what happens to time? flies by because it's it's a non-logical event so just close your eyes sit in some comfortable position and just close your eyes and get a sense of your gut, the whole area below your diaphragm, and get a sense of the area just above your diaphragm, that chest, lungs, heart. 
feel where your diaphragm connects in your spine. Experience your spine below the diaphragm. And experience the the spine just above your diaphragm. And then experience the shoulders and the neck and the brain in your head is an assistance, but it's not your leader. And when you begin to release the pressures in the shoulders and the neck and throat, That throat chakra opens. Your voice opens. Your heart's rhythm and purpose become more prominent. The liver in the gut section feeds its warmth to the heart. And all three brains begin to harmonize. And in that harmony, as the Buddha said, the places I am to go I go. The people I am to meet, I meet. The things I am to say form words on my lips. And that which I am to do gets done. And what I am to achieve already is. This is a prayer of the upper spine through the voice of your neck and throat. The upper spine is about the devotions of inspiration, faith, trust. I made a mistake there. It's not inspiration. It's faith, trust, enthusiasm. Inspiration is the lower portion of the spine. And this whole body is a harmonic instrument. Clarify it and then use it for its purposes. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All the classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success and it'll be a lecture 
with a pranayama, breathing exercise, and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day, and then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files, which are guided 11-minute meditations, which you can listen to. And that's all within gurusing.com. Satnam.